said earlier he used to be the old man who came and spoke to us at youth camps now he's like this young guy who comes and preaches in my church you know because the older we get the younger he gets and um, it looks good for 72 I think God's really blessed him and just everything but I love Kingsley his wife Kathy and Jemima and Isaac their family very precious to us five or six years I think they've been coming to us and he's going to come and I know deliver an incredible word to you today but here's my challenge to you you'll get out what you put in so if you just want to sit there and say feed me feed me feed me you may get some but come on give back to the word as it's been preached respond to that word and as you continue to respond come on you're going to get more back so come on let's give it up for Kingsley Armstrong as he preaches for us today and I'm sorry everyone he's Irish he can't help it <laughs> praise the lord 72 eh looking good for 72 eh feeling good for 72 Praise the Lord. It's good to be still doing what I'm doing anyway, whatever age I am and uh, whenever I have no plans to retire or to give up. So uh, praise the Lord for that. Good to be here this morning and good to have two services on a Sunday morning. Uh, Good to see the place growing so well and to see some new faces. So it really is a privilege to be here. We're trying to work out how long it has been. It's more than actually five or six years, we think. Jemima's are our sort of one we, we go to, you know. If we want to know any birthdays or want to know when things happen, Kathy and I just say, well, Jemima, you tell us. So, so uh, she's the one that knows all the dates we forget. But it's been quite a few years, and we really appreciate coming back here year after year. I'm just looking forward to the day when some of you come on one of my trips to the mission field. I'm looking forward to that. Hasn't happened just yet, but it will happen. Just come back from Ghana and had a team for the first time. Yeah, we love Ghana. Uh, have a team for the first time from the U.S. who joined me. Two from Louisiana and seven from Alabama. But let's face it, it takes seven Alabamas equal to Louisiana. <laughs> does, does do. Yeah, yeah we with seven go tigers and, and two roll tides. So we had a very interesting experience. And then 11 from the UK. So a team of, of 18 of us in Ghana. And we had, a, we had just a wonderful time. And it is a privilege to be part of that. My ministry is called the Joshua Project. We've just changed, just in the, in the process of changing it to J16. And we've changed our strap line from leading people to inherit the land to just simply multiplying ministry. And it's a privilege to watch people when you take them on the mission field because God does something unique. We were only there for eight days, and God did something unique with some of those young people. One young guy from Norwich, is four, I think he's 14 years old, wanted to go to Africa since he was a young, still a young boy, but since he was a young boy. And this is part of his dream, and he's been asking his mother for about the last three years, can I go to Africa, can I go to Africa? So all we've done is facilitate it to him. And he said to his 
his mum, when he got off the plane in Accra, he just said, God, I feel like I'm coming home. This is a guy who'd never been to Africa in his life. And it's interesting for me now to watch his story because his story is different from my story. 18 of us went, but God had an individual plan for each of those 18. Young girl from Louisiana wants to go out to, to work in an orphanage and make it part of her life. Uh, to to live in in Ghana. And I think that's wonderful. If God works that through, if she works it through with him, then praise the Lord for that. So if you're interested in our ministry, I have some leaflets at the back. They're on the table. Uh, The Joshua Project just explains, particularly the last few trips. uh, I was in uh, Tanzania and Kenya recently and in Japan just in, in the summertime. So you can find all of that. If you have an iPod or an iPad or an iPad or an iPod, one of those Apple products, you can download J16 from the App Store. It's free. And, and on that is all the uh, recent... Uh, I do a video each time each time I go. And, and uh, th- that's, that's what Megan was saying, that you know that's video is what she does. When I go, I, I have to do my own videoing. So it's a little bit amateurish because I'm standing with a camera like this talking to my hand, which is rather an experience, but it comes out okay. And if you're on the internet, look at the joshuaproject.co.uk. We've just, I've just redone that website recently. So ha- have a little look at that. And please pray for us that God will give us wisdom. I'm planning next year, already going back to uh, Ghana. I'll be in Ethiopia in February. Uh, I have a wonderful time at a pastor's conference every year there. These are guys who never take a day off, but will take two days off to spend some time with me, about 100 of them, and we have a wonderful time just sharing the Word of God with them. Then back to Ghana and the Ivory Coast in March. It's the, Ghana's going through their elections right now, and it, it just, just coming up to their election time, same as America. And pray, please pray for that nation that God will bring them through peace. We have a big meeting of celebration in, in March, and I have the privilege of, of hosting a banquet partly sponsored by ourselves, International Gospel Outreach, and the Parliamentary Christian Fellowship. That's in March, on a Monday in March, and just after Independence Day. And that will be broadcast to the nation. So it's a, it's a real privilege for me to be in, involved in that. Then off to the Ivory Coast to do something similar there. Praying about Pakistan, uh, opportunity to go and, and host a conference for 500 uh, leaders. Big, big challenge to me. I, I just totally rely by faith, and that will cost about $8,000. So I've said I can't do it yet. I'm just waiting to see what God does. But that's a, an opportunity to share in one of the most beautiful places, Pakistan. I don't know what your picture of Pakistan is, but when I see Pakistan, I see those little children in the meetings that I'm in with their faces wide open, beaming, waiting to hear the Word of God. That's what Pakistan is to me. To you, it might be a terrorist country. I don't know, but I see it as it really is. And I know that God has got his hand in Pakistan in an amazing way. So that's basically what we do. And uh, please pray for us as I know that you do. Wonderful to be back in Louisiana and to enjoy all the cuisine of Louisiana. The same Louisiana never, never eats on, on a, a, an empty stomach is or never eat on a, a, a full, an empty. There's one way to get it. Never eat on an empty stomach. In other words, keep eating when you come here. It's sort of part of the heritage of your, your state or something like that. In other words, don't wait till you're hungry before you eat. Is that something like that, isn't it? Is that your motto in, in Louisiana? Well, that's what I was told. It's probably wrong. It was told by, by the Alabama people, yeah. Okay, my text this morning is 2 Kings chapter 22 and verse 1. Please, if you have a Bible, turn to it. I want to just share a few thoughts, same as I shared in the first service this morning. I was in Japan in, in uh, <clears throat> while the Olympics was on, the end of July. 
reading through this verse, and I, I love names in the Bible, and I stopped at this verse and thought, wow, that's a fantastic verse. I want to understand what it means. And it's my text this morning. I'll read it to you from 2 Kings 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jed- Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath. And I stopped after I read that verse and, and said to the Lord, what does that mean? And just spent a bit of time meditating and looking up some words on that. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. That's a young boy. His dad had died. So he found himself in a position where he's king. It is very young to be leading the land. You know, you've just had an election this week. And uh, Barack Obama remains as, as the president. Nothing has changed really over the last few days, I guess. But this fellow was eight years old. When you turn to Second Chronicles chapter 34, it tells you a little bit more about him. He was eight when he became king. When he was 16, he began to seek the Lord. At 16 years old. My Lord, if we could say that for our young people, even before the age of 16. But I know that's your prayer, that your children who are 16 years old, that they would begin to seek the Lord. I want that for my kids. I want it for the people, who my, my nephews, my nieces, people who I, I have some influence over. Not that I would seek the Lord for them, but that they would seek the Lord. It says of Job that he prayed for his family. Every night he went to bed, got up in the morning, prayed for them that they might not have sinned during the night and interceded for them. But isn't it wonderful? when your children start to seek the Lord for themselves. At 16 years old, Josiah started to seek the Lord. At 20 years old, he cleanses the land. 20 years old, as king, he decides our land's not following God. We need to cleanse this land. And at the age of 26, the Bible says in in 2 Chronicles 34, he decided to repair the temple. While he is repairing the temple, the scribe goes in and finds in the temple a book that has been lost for many, many years, the book of the law. And they bring it to him. When they read this book to Josiah, the Bible says he tore his clothes and sat down, he wept, and he cried out in repentance to God. Because what he saw written in the book was not what he saw in reality in his land. So I want to share a little bit about that this morning. When you go back to 1 Kings chapter 13, There is a story in 1 Kings chapter 13, which is over 300 years before this passage, of a king called Jeroboam. And Jeroboam was the worst king that lived in that nation. In fact, Jeroboam, it says of him that every time a new king came who was a bad king, it says he continued in the way of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. In other words, he became the type, the the standard of evil in the country. That's how bad Jeroboam was. And one day in 1 Kings chapter 13, a prophet who God has spoken to walks into the temple, walks right up to the front where the, where the altar is, and starts to speak and prophesy to the altar. Speaks to the altar. Can you imagine? Guy walks into church and starts speaking, not to the people, but to the altar. And he says, oh, altar, altar. And he starts to say, on you will be burned the bones of the priests and the bones of the kings who, who fell away from God. And he said, there will be a young boy will be born, Josiah by name. 
And he's the one who will burn the, the bones of the wicked people, the wicked leaders on this altar. And as a sign that this will happen, the altar will burst in two. And just after he said that, the altar split in two right in front of everybody in the temple. Jeroboam, the wicked king, comes in and he tries to get hold of this prophet. But as he does that, his hand withers as he points his hand out. So he calls out to the prophet. He says, pray for me, pray for me. So the prophet prays for him and his hand becomes whole once again. That was 300 years, over 300 years before this passage in 2 Kings chapter 22. And this was written down. It was lost. Nobody knew anything about it. Now, what I believe happened is that in 2 Kings chapter 23, when Josiah starts to do the things written in the law, the Bible says he comes to a certain tomb and he says, whose are the bones in this tomb? Somebody stands up and says, these are the bones of the prophet who prophesied the very things you're doing. So what I believe happened is, when they found that book of the law, they also found written down there this prophecy of Josiah over 300 years previously. Now, can you imagine this morning, if 300 years before today, and this morning you've, Pastor Philip found a book in there, and he brought it out, and your name was written in that book, describing not only you, rightly written your, your actual name, but everything that you were doing at this moment and were about to do. It would be freaky, wouldn't it? Talk about Freaky Friday. That would be Freaky Sunday. That would. But that's exactly what happened with Josiah. His name was written in the book. And that changed everything for him. Now, the Bible says when you accepted Christ, your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. There was a record made of your name. It was written down and recorded Your actual name is written somewhere. If it's not, you'll never get into heaven because it'll be checked that your name is written there. You need to make sure it's written there this morning. But your name, if it's written in that book, that changes everything. How encouraging it must have been for Josiah. A young boy who must have stood out from his friends. He didn't have a normal childhood. King at the age of eight, seeking the Lord at 16. He's an unusual child. Something different about him. But when he discovered that his name was written in the book, that changed everything. Your name is written in the book, and that changes everything about your life. Because the Bible says that your life, your days were fashioned before there was even one of them. Before the world began, God dreamt about you. And he wrote down everything that you would achieve and everything that would be accomplished through you. I find that incredibly exciting. There's a lovely verse in the Psalm. Psalm 139 verse 16. Here's what the psalmist says, praying to God. Your eyes saw my substance, yet being unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. All of your days were written down. Now, for for me, as Josiah discovered this, when they found the book, when he found his name written there, I believe that gave him a real sense of destiny. That he wasn't just floating through life, that he wasn't just one amongst millions, but actually God's stamp was on his life. I was given to the Lord when I was A little boy in the Methodist church in Ireland, my mum and my dad, they went to a service. Oh, it was in the Methodist church. It would have been called a baptism service, but it doesn't matter to me what it was called. I know that my mum and my dad stood and handed me to the minister and said, we're dedicating this boy to the Lord. 
at a very young age. Now, I don't know anything about that. I don't remember anything about it, but I know that my mum and dad were serious when they gave me to the Lord. That put a stamp on my life. It made me different from everybody else. There was some mark on me from before I was born that meant my life had a destiny, and you're exactly the same. Some of you know that this morning, that you're different. You can't do things that other people do. You can't get away with things that other people seem to get away with. Why? Because God has put a stamp on your life, and you're here for a destiny. You're here to achieve something eternal for God. And every one of you this morning can do that. Because God, whether you're in the army, or whether you're a school teacher, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're unemployed, whether you're a mom at home, whatever your particular role in life is, there's a destiny over your life. And Josiah saw that. The second thing that he saw, which for me is also very important, is this, is that it showed him something, not just of himself, but showed him something of the sovereignty of God. When, can you imagine, with all that's happened before him, he knows how evil his father was. Ammon, his dad, was an evil man. He knows how evil his grandfather Manasseh was. He knows all the things that went on. And yet something marked him out as different. So when he was a, an eight-year-old and felt totally odd and became a king and, and w- didn't want to do the things his dad did, didn't want to do the bad things his granddad did. He must have felt so strange and so odd. But when he found his name written there and, and he realized that, hey, God was in control of this all along. He planned my days. He knew what I was going to do. What an incredible sense of the sovereignty of God that must have, have, have done for him. Kathy and I, over the last few years, our, our lives, we've been in five houses in the last few years. We've not known whether we've been coming or going a lot of time. We lived at Norwich, in Norwich this time last year, uh, Philip's home, uh, his ex-home city, his parents' city. And we, we uh, were living there. We moved then up to North Yorkshire in, in England. And we've just been on the move. And it's been a very unsettling time for us as a family. Yet, in the midst of it all, we've been aware of God. God's hand over our lives, moving sovereignly because he's in control. In your nation, he's in control. You've had an election, in case you hadn't noticed this last week. There's been lots of things said, whether it was a good election or not. There was a lot of hatred bandied about, a lot of bad things said and done leading up in your election from all sides. I don't think anybody takes pride out of what went on over the last few months and the name calling and all of that. But let me tell you this, whether you're excited or whether you're disappointed over what's happened in the last week, let me tell you one thing, God is still in control. He is still Lord of all the earth. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And I believe God is sovereignly still in control of America. Does America deserve the best? I don't know. Do we deserve the best? I don't know. We're people who've let God down so many times. It's by his grace we're standing here this morning. It's by his grace that God still loves America. It's not what you've done that deserves it because many have turned away from God in this great nation of yours. But God still loves you and he still loves this nation. But he's sovereignly in control. But the main thing that I want to bring to you this morning is this verse. Because as I've looked at it, it, there isn't anything that jumps out at you and says that's a real memory verse like Matthew 6.33 or John 3.16 or or Proverbs 3 verse 6 or some of those great verses, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. This is is a verse that, that is strange. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Well, so what? Could have been nine. I'm not bothered, really, are you? 
He was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedida, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath. God does this continually. Now listen to me. You were born in a context. You weren't born a century ago. People often say, when I was in the Methodist church, wouldn't it be great, we need another John Wesley. No, we don't. You'd look stupid running up and down the streets in Louisiana on a horse. We don't need a repeat of what went before. We need what God has today, which is you and me. That's, that's the best God has, and, but that's God's best choice. You're his best choice for where you live, for what you're doing. But what God does in this verse is he grounds Josiah and gives him a context. You are the, the, the son or the daughter of somebody. And you will be the father or mother, perhaps, of somebody. You're born on a certain day. I was born in 1961. You were born in whatever year you were born on. You know where you have to fill in all those, all those little bits where you put your... <clears throat> if you ever travel much and you've got to fill in your birth, your passport, you put in the place. It used to be... I've watched this through life. I used to be able to put the dates up, and I was on that list. Then you click it and you flick the whole lot down to the next. I've got to flick it twice now. 1961 isn't on the first page or the second page. I've got to go to the... That's sad. That is real sad. But that's another story. I don't want to bore you with that today. But I was born the daughter of Robert and Ruth Armstrong in a place called Black Lion in, in the country of Ireland. Now, I'm proud of that fact, but what it does is it grounds me in a certain place at a certain time. And you're the same. You're alive today because God wanted you to be alive today. You were born in the nation you were born in because God wanted you to be born in that nation. You could have been born anywhere. God could have arranged it, but he let you be born for a specific time in a specific place. And what this does is it gives us a little bit of the context of Josiah. It tells us his mother's line. It tells us that his mother is called Jedida and that his granddad is called Adiah of Bozkath. On the other side of Josiah, Josiah, his father, was called Ammon. He was a wicked man. Josiah's grandfather on his father's side was called Manasseh. He was an extremely wicked man. And his granddad on that father's side was called King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was a good man. King Hezekiah came back to the Lord in his lifetime. King Hezekiah was, was dying from a fatal disease. And he, he had a prayer request. Don't know if it was written on a little blue form, but he had a prayer request one day that he brought to God, cried out to God and says, God, please, please heal me. And God heard him and sent a prophet to him and said, listen, look, here's my, my, my friend Hezekiah's crying out to me. I'm going to answer his prayer. Go and tell him I'm going to give him 15 years to his life. So he added 15 years to the life of Hezekiah. Hezekiah lived a further 15 years. In the third year, approximately of those 15 years, his wife gave birth to a child, and they called that boy, the great-granddad uh, of, of uh, Josiah, they called him Manasseh. And Manasseh means to forget. Now, we only hear of Manasseh one time previously to this, that one of the two boys of Joseph when he went to Egypt. Joseph had two children, badly treated by his family. When he went to uh, Egypt, 
He named his, he married an Egyptian girl, named his first son Manasseh. He said, God has enabled me to forget the trouble of my past. Named his second son Ephraim because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. God did an amazing work through Joseph. But here we have Hezekiah. Hezekiah names his first son, his son Manasseh, to forget. If ever there was a man who needed to remember the goodness of God. We've talked about that, Megan said earlier on, about being thankful, 30 days of thankfulness through the month of Thanksgiving, the month of November, being thankful. Hezekiah should have been thankful. God, thank you that you've healed me. Thank you for blessing me with a child. Thank you for all the goodness you've poured into my life. But he called his son to forget. And when you look at the life of Manasseh as the king, the whole country forgot God. You look at it. He changed laws. He sacrificed children. He did incredibly bad things and turned the whole country against God. He then had another son whose name was, uh, Manasseh had a son who, who became the king, whose name was Ammon. Ammon means a builder, an architect, a, a, someone who builds things. Not a very common name in Israel or in Judah. More common name in Egypt, where one of their, the hidden deity in Egypt was called Amun-Ra, the hidden god. And when you've got a, a generation that forgets God and puts God out on on the, the, the borders, out on the stands, when you have the bleachers, when you've got a, 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 a nation that does that, they then produce another nation of builders who think that they can build their own way to God, like the Tower of Babel. They think they don't need any God, they don't need anything. Let me tell you, you did not to choose when you were born, and you did not choose, you will not choose the day that you die. Just like your president, the most, one of the most important men in the world, Barack Obama did not choose the moment he was born and he will not choose the moment he dies. His times are in God's hands, just as you are. That, that should bring, make us humble and keep us humble before him. We can't build anything unless God gives us the breath to do that. Ammon was a, a self-built guy. And when you look through the history of Israel and the history of Judah, you'll find that's what they did. They, they marginalized God through his place. Now we live in America. I live in the UK. I travel around nations, different countries. And different, some countries have, are turning to God. Some places are turning to God in their droves. In South America, in China, and in, in the South Korea, and places like that, there's a move of God. In Iran, in some of the, the closed countries in the world, there's a tremendous move of God. Now, if they were to stand up and, and declare that, they would be killed for it. But there's a tremendous move of God across the world. There's a move of God in America as well. But on a national level, on a national level, many in your nation have turned away from God. They've forgotten God. And they're producing a generation then that doesn't need God because we're a self-built people. We can do it. We can make our own destiny. Well, on the other side, that's why I like this verse because on the mother's side, it tells us there that, that his mother's name, Josiah's mother's name was Jedidah. Her, her, his grandfather's name on his mother's side was Adiah. Adiah was born the same time as Manasseh. So from the palace, we have the declaration from the, the king that my son will be called forgetfulness. And as a nation, they have forgetfulness written over them. They would soon be forgotten. Israel's already gone into exile. Judah will soon follow them. They're in the process of forgetting God. But one family said, no, we're not going to call our son. We're not going to call him forgetfulness. We're going to call him Adiah. Adiah means Yahweh God forever. 
or God is adorned. So one family in the nation, and I've chosen to speak on this this morning because it's our Veterans Day. When we think of the veterans in the UK, we have Remembrance Day, when it tends to be more like your Memorial Day of remembering those who gave their life. But you see, the thing is, as we speak, some of your friends are already serving, serving in Afghanistan today as we speak. So we, we can't put, put Veterans Day into the history books because actually there are those who are living today in a moment of danger when they're at this moment being targeted by the enemy who will try to take them out. That's why we pray. I hope you pray for your forces every day. Pray for those who are in the military every, every day. Those people who've given, given so much for us and who've served and done so little, so, so much for us when we do so little so often. Josiah, his grandfather's name was Adiah, God forever. So while the nation forgot God, one family said, no, we will not forget God. We're going to stand faithful. And I chose this because many of you who are veterans have been faithful to God, faithful to your nation down through the generations. Many of you who are veterans are probably children of veterans. You probably have through your family a history of people who've served in one of the, one of the, the, uh, the army or the navy or the marines or whatever it happens to be, the air force. You'll have somebody in your family, people who faithfully, from the Christian sphere, those of you who know Jesus this morning, probably your parents may well have known him. Your grandparents may have known him. Go back generation, generation. We've come at the end of a period of time of faithful generations who've served God. And as we look around, around today. Our, our picture of America might not be the rosy picture that it was years ago when we knew what our country stood for. Now, sometimes you don't know what your country stands for. But I want to tell you this, in the midst of all the darkness, there is still people who said we will be faithful to God in the midst of whether the palace or the White House say, whether they say we will forget God, there is a generation that says we will never forget God. Never forget God. We will stand for Jesus in this nation until our last dying breath. And that's what the household of Adiah said when his father said, no, we're going to name him Adiah because our, my family will be God forever. And then they give, give at the same time as the rest of the nation was forgetting God. The same time as Ammon, his, Manasseh's son, self-built generation. They had a daughter called Jedidah. Jedidah means, it means, uh, Beloved of God. Beloved of God. Someone who, who God loves. When he looked at that daughter and said, we're not going to be a self-built generation. We're going to acknowledge that God has been good to us. He has loved us. We will give him glory for all that he's done in our lives. And then they give birth to a little boy called Josiah, who we've, this verse has started me to talk about. Josiah, whose name means salvation. Same root as Jesus, as just as Joshua, the, the just the J's in the Old Testament that means salvation. What a wonderful woman she must have been with having a wicked husband called Ammon when their child was born. They didn't have a copy of this prophecy. She named him Josiah. She must have been a powerful woman to be able to stand against her husband and say, no, no, we're not going to have another wicked generation. We're going to stop this here. This stops right now. And in the faithfulness of God through the generations, it shows me in his sovereignty that God will raise up Josiahs again today. In the midst of America, whatever your picture of your nation is, and you have, you've been born in 
the, I won't say the greatest nation, because you, you can say the greatest nation. I'm not an American. But one of the greatest nations on earth. One of the most privileged nations on earth. But when you turn, as, as I was flying over, I, I tend to only watch films when I fly. And thank, thank the Lord, most of them are edited when, when you, I wanted to watch something, a, a TV program or not. Most of them are American-based. You know something? Most of them are absolute rubbish. Most of them. I, I tried to watch. I thought, can I watch something here? It's a film I wanted to watch, and I was just, it started off with these two in bed. I thought, I can't, I didn't know what the film was. There's no description of it. It looked like a thriller. I thought, I can't watch that. That's come from America. Now, I know the British ones may be even worse. But what I'm saying is the standard isn't the same as it used to be. And when you look at, around at some of the nonsense that comes out, some of the nonsense that your leaders, the abortion rate is horrendous here in America. And it's advocated by the leadership of your nation. Now, when we look around and we say that isn't the way, we know it isn't the way it should be. But I want to tell you this, that God sees all of this. We see people getting away with things we think they shouldn't get away with. Let me tell you, the time will come when God will say, enough is enough. And when Hezekiah named his son Manasseh, decided we're going to forget everything God's done for us. When he named his son Ammon and said, hey, we're a self-built generation, God knew through all of that, hey, it's okay, you can laugh, you can do what you want, sunshine, but let me tell you, Josiah's on his way. There's going to come a time when God says, that's it. He's raising up a new generation to call the nations back to God once again. And the last thing that Josiah, well, not the last thing he did, but one of the things he did was really important, was he, when he found this book of the law and saw his name written there, he called all the the, the leaders in the palace and called all the people together. And he said, hey, guys, we've not been living the way we should have lived, but this stops now. And he called all the people to repentance, and he made them renew their covenant. All of them, he made them renew their covenant. And the land was changed throughout the lifetime of Josiah. The whole temple was rebuilt and restored. So much so, he didn't even ask the builders to give him receipts. He knew that he trusted them to do what they should do. It's an incredible time. And the land was brought back to God. But it was in God's mind all along. And, and I just as I read this, I thought, Lord, you know, I can worry about so many things. Well, let me tell you, you're going to get this right in the end. This is going to come good. And God is in control of your nation. He's in control of what happens. This week wasn't a tragedy in God's minds, even though some of you are disappointed. Some of you might be rejoicing. I don't really know what side of the line you tick your box. That's not my interest. But what I do know is that God knew everything that was going to happen this week. You can say one was a good campaign, one was a bad campaign, all of this. But let me tell you, God doesn't look at it that way. God says, hey, I'm still in control. I'm still watching over you. I'm still watching over your forces overseas. I'm still looking after your nation, and I will have my say at the end. If I've got to remove somebody, just like God can do it, just like that. He can take a man out. He can take a woman out. They can fiddle all they like. They can do all they like. They can have extramarital affairs. They can fiddle the books. They can do all of that. But let me tell you, no man will be able to stand before God and get away with it. God will take his time, and he will do it all in his own time. So I'm encouraged this morning. Because I believe we're on the verge of something great. We're on the verge of the greatest move that this world has ever seen. I'm encouraged as I travel. I travel to some amazing places. And I'm encouraged when I meet people who are standing for God in their individual nation, faithful to him. I'm encouraged by that. 
I'm encouraged when I come to America because things are changing in America. There's a reality that's got through all the neon lights. There's a reality that's hitting the people who recognize we cannot rely purely on our past. We've got to trust God today for our future. And you are the generation that will see God move in a new way. I really believe that. I believe we're on the verge of seeing something incredible. So I want to encourage you, those who are young, that's those, I ha- always be specific, those aged 30 and, and, and younger. You're, if you're over 30, you're getting old. If you're under 30, you're young. I have to cut it somewhere. It used to be. You see, it, I, I got into trouble. I did this once uh, in, in one place, actually, in, a, in, in uh, oh no, I think it was when I was out in Japan, because this guy, the guy was 31, his wife was 29. She loved me, he hated me. But I, I, I had to cut the line somewhere. I'm in my 50s, so uh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm there anyway, and I'll still run as fast as I, I can anyway. But listen, when you're young, you've got to make up your mind like Josiah did. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to seek him. I'm going to cleanse the temple. I'm going to live for him. And I'm going to make my life count for him. And sometimes when a, when a visitor comes in, as I am with an Irish accent, when I come in, sometimes it can get through to you in a way that, that even Philip sometimes may not be able to get through to you because you take him for granted. You hear him every week. You'll not hear me next week. But listen. I believe that God wants to do something incredible. And on this Veterans Day, when we're saying thank you to those who are still here, but also have lived in a previous generation, they've done their bit. They've, 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 they've done their bit, really. Their task is finished as far as serving God overseas in the way that they did. They've, they've played their role. When we say thank you to them, just remember, you are here, you're in the context of coming after them. that's your context. You're the son, daughter of somebody. God has you here for this specific point in time because he has an incredible role for you to play. Those of you who are young, you can change the world. You can change, you'll change your own world for Jesus, but you can change the nations. All it takes is for you to rise up and say, God, I'm going to make a difference. I determine, I'll finish with this. When I was brought up in the Methodist church, way back, I mean, I am going back quite a way now, but going back, I remember saying to God, God, I'm sick of church. I get so bored in church. I used to, as a young person, I used to, I don't know, and have you ever been to a service you think is boring? I know it doesn't happen here, but have you ever been in your life in a service you thought was boring? I mean, is that possible? I mean, maybe it is, but I get so bored in church, I used to read the hymn book. That's how bored I was. I, I used to get so bored. But I remember saying to God, God, I will not, I, when I serve you, I, will, I do not want to be bored. I don't do bored anymore. I don't get bored. I, I, I'm not going to, I refuse to get bored because I want to serve God. And I've seen some incredible things and will continue because God has taken me at my word just as I've taken him at his word. And it's the most exciting thing in the world to serve Jesus. Amen. So God bless you today. Please pray. Pray for your children. Pray for your parents. Pray that God will do something incredible in our lives and that God will raise up his Josiahs who will take the kingdom further forward than I I ever did. I told you last year that when I went to Pakistan, God spoke to me about young people, is that he's raising up a new generation of young people who will see things that I've never seen. And I I say to that, amen, praise the Lord, let it be so. Let them go far further than I can go. Let them do more than I've done. I'll be the first to applaud and say, let them go. I'll sit back and let them do it and encourage them to do it. We need to, to see young people raised up to serve God. Let's pray together. I'll hand back to Philip in a moment just to to bring it all to a conclusion. But just as let's stand together, shall we, as we bring this towards a conclusion this morning, thanking God for, for where we've come from, what he's done for us. Lord, we thank you today for your life, 
Thank you that you are, as has already been said, the greatest veteran. You gave your life for us. Thank you, Lord, though you didn't stay dead, you rose again. And thank you that you live and you reign today. And I thank you, Lord, that we're not serving a, a God who's in the history books. We serve a living Savior who reigns on high today. Thank you, Lord. It's a, it's a life of victory that we signed up to when we accepted Jesus. And so, Lord, today, just as this Josiah did, Lord, we stand as a group of people. And we want to commit our lives to you again. We want to renew our covenant with you again. Lord, forgive us when we've upset you. Forgive us when we've let you down or disappointed you. Help us today, Lord, to start again just as if we found the, the word of God for a, in a new day. Lord, we want to start again and say, God, I want to serve you from this day on. I want to serve you, Lord, through this time of Thanksgiving, through the families that we'll visit with these, these Thanksgiving bundles where we give a turkey to. As we head towards Christmas, the people that we will bless, I want to serve you in that, God. Lord, let each one of us, I pray, live for you in a new way to share the name of Jesus and what you've done with our friends, family, and neighbors. Help us to be Jesus as we help them and pour our lives out for them. Bless this church. Bless Heartsease, Lord, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Lord, move upon, move upon your people. And Lord, let this fellowship be used to lead multitudes to Christ in this area and further afield. Lord. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.